0: To who's there. I'm your host, Allison. If you're new here, thank you for joining us. This is a podcast where I talk to a new horror fan every week because I hope to destigmatize what it means to be a horror movie fan because most of us are just regular people who like the adrenaline rush of being scared for some reason, and here we delve into those reasons. This week I'm stoked because I had a conversation with the founder of Blood Guts UK horror, Martin Wakefield. He started his site in 2012 to shine a spotlight on indie horror films, and he tells me all about how he was inspired and how it's grown in the last decade. He talks about some of his favorite indie horror films to come out in 2022 so far, and why he loves the original Evil Dead so much. He also tells me why he thinks it's better than Evil Dead 2. One last thing before we get into this episode, if you love the show and haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, I'd be so grateful if you could take a second to rate and review it on on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to us. Thank you to everyone who's already left us a review. It's so appreciated and it really helps people to find us. I think that's it. So let's get into my conversation with Martin Wakefield. Hey, Martin, how are you?
1: I'm great. Thank you very much.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Do you want to start by telling everyone a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Firstly, thanks for having me. But absolutely. So, yeah, I'm Martin Wakefield, and I am editor and creator of BloodGutsUK.com, which has gone through a soft rebrand. But I started the website, which was a UK-based horror website, back in 2012. Going into that, that was all from a early view that I always wanted to be a film journalist. Studied for it for a little bit and then thought, you know what, there's not going to be any money. This isn't going to pay the bills. So went into a grasp into the real world of working, got a job, got paid and then just kind of sat on it for a very, very long time. And then back in 2012, I was like, let's set up a domain, let's get a website up and let's see how it goes. And now here we are having to interview some of the greatest horror directors in the world, reviewing some of the best films that are coming out well in advance. And ultimately, you know, we're one of the, the leading UK-based horror websites, and it's genre-specific.
0: That's awesome. We'll talk about that a little bit more later, but first things first, what's your favorite scary movie?
1: So this, over the years, has changed, but for the last couple of years, this has stayed the same. So this might not always be my favorite one, but for now, it's The Evil Dead, and that's the original one.
0: The original one? Nice. I know I know a lot of people love that movie. Have you what do you think of the remake?
1: I absolutely love it. It's its own thing. And I think over time, I think every single entry in the Evil Dead franchise has got its own market and niche. And I, I find the whole franchise as a whole amazing that each you it depends on which way you look at the film to how you interpret it. And I think the first one is just the groundwork of a great horror film.
0: Nice. So why do you love that one so much?
1: So for me, it's so the one that I always go back to. You know, it's you know, just shy of 90 minutes in length. It's perfect to watch at a late night. I think when you watch it, I've watched it many, many times and I was lucky enough to see it at the cinema a couple of years ago on a 35mm print. And it was funny. Even then, you know, it still terrifies. You know, there are the, you know, the practical effects, the you know, the, the innocence and naivety behind Raimi and Campbell and the rest of the guys. You know, there is, you know, there's no hiding from the fact that this is a very low budget film, but they've gone out and done the best film that they can make and they've gone all out with it. And you can see that on screen and it works really well. And I think the effects still today, you know, hold up really high. And you know, we talk about kind of some of the secret behind the scene things, but yeah, a simple thing like a pencil stabbing into an apple just makes you cringe because it's just like the, the visual side of that it's just the magic that's gone behind the scenes and the more you learn about it and the more you think how they got away with doing stuff on a low budget and it still rivals everything that comes through from a kind of a bigger budget at least.
0: Awesome. That's great. Do you like any of other, any of Sam Raimi's other movies?
1: I do. I love Darkman. I've grown to love Drag Me to Hell. And my partner is an absolute advocate for that film. And I for, for many years I, I sat there and now I don't get it. And it's always the humour. And I think over the especially since Evil Dead Two, there's always been that element of humour that Raimi's brought to his films that I've never personally really got. But I think the more you watch these things, it kind of balances the horror and the humour quite well. And I think Drag Me to Hell's kind of grown over me over the other time.
0: Awesome. I remember watching Drag Me to Hell for the first time a few years back, I think even before the pandemic, I wanted it to be more serious.
1: Yeah, that that was my thoughts, exactly.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So how did you first fall in love with the horror genre?
1: Um, So really, I mean, that's a really good question. So I can't remember the specific pinpoint, but I can label three films. Predator, I think was probably the first entry of horror for me because I lived in a family where... It was Arnold Schwarzenegger films and Steven Seagal, Jean-Claude Van Damme, all those kind of 80s action films, heavy action films. And suddenly Predator comes in and it's like, this is like an alien kind of, and it's quite violent and gory and it's like, it's actually quite tense. And I was like, at the time I never really saw it as a horror film, but over time, again, it's one of those films that the more you watch it, the more you learn. And actually it's got the staples of a great alien horror film it's, I now consider it more horror than action, even though it's still, and I think back then it was still released as a, an Arnold Schwarzenegger action film. So that was probably my mainstream entry into it. But you know, the other two releases were Halloween and Maniac Cop. And I was in my young teens when I watched both of those. And they've got very lasting effects. I think Maniac Cop may have come first which is surprising for you to so young age because I still think that's one of the most violent films I've ever seen. And, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's such a great, and again, that goes back to Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell, I think Bruce Campbell was in the original one, and it, yeah, it's a great, it's just the visuals of the face of the, of the cop walking around the streets. It's just terrifying. And then obviously, you know, the original Halloween 1978 classic, yeah, even to this day, you know, if you ask me, my top three, you know, Evil Dead would obviously be there, and Halloween would certainly still make that list. It's, I, and I think it, it goes into the opposite of what I love the Evil Dead because it's pure suspense. You know, John Carpenter's score, it, it just sends shivers on my spine whenever I hear it, even in like later releases of the film, yeah, later releases in the franchise. I think some of those, you know, when you when you hear that chime and those sins, it just sends shivers down your spine.
0: Very cool. I actually just recently saw Terminator for the first time. So, I finally
1: got The back. first one? Yes. Oh, that's, you know, this, and that's, you know, that isn't, that's isn't probably up there with, with Predator, again, an old Schwarzenegger <laughs> film. You know, people see it as an action film, it kind of gets under people's radars, but actually, that's a great, it's just a Stalker slasher film. And, you know, <laughs> on the way to try and get Sarah Connor, it's just a slasher film to kill all the Sarah Connors. And that's why, I, I, you know, again, I love that version more than the second one even though the second one is a great action film but the tension and the passion for the first film of being a hidden horror film just works so well.
0: Yeah I remember seeing Terminator 2 in theaters and I had no idea what was going on. um, (laughs) I'm not sure I still do. (laughs) Yeah but speaking of very violent movies have you seen The Sadness? on sh- yes on yet? wow
1: <laughs> that i mean i've seen some films in recent years since especially since i've been on the website and the sadness really raises the bar above anything i've seen before
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's very intense i had no idea what i was getting into when i saw it at a festival last year so i just thought it was going to be your typical run of the mill zombie movie yeah but yeah yeah tread tread cautiously with that one for everyone listening <laughs>
1: levels Um, that that film goes down honestly, it takes depravity to a new level however I think the way that that film kind of touches on the depravity is it's such a way that it's just it's pure horror but at the same time you're kind of keeping your eyes open and like I want to see more I want to see more
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so why do you think that people who seem perfectly sane love the horror genre
1: that is a really good question, and the biggest shock I get from people in you know my friend circle and everything else is when I tell them what I do in my free time, they're like, "Really?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is the strange thing, and this is this is why I love your podcast because you on that, that length. there is there's a a community which I've you know fell in love with, and since I've started the website, I found that before that point, N- never really knew it existed, and I think it's a strange world because. Horror film, like any other genre, yeah, you know, has its fan bases. But I think it's it's also really accessible. And I think if you, the, what I love most about the horror genre is it's so diverse. And I was talking to Ruth Paxton uh, a couple of days ago, who just directed a, a banquet, and we were having the same conversation in terms of, you know the, the horror genre is so varied. You could go in there and watch the sadness one day, and then on the other hand, you could watch on, you know, you could watch. Maggie with Arnold Schwarzenegger which is a really depressing zombie film which has very little zombies in it but they're complete different ends of the spectrum if you want to watch something that's heartbreaking and depressing go watch Maggie but if you want to watch violence and you want to go and watch all blood gore you know you can go and watch the sadness. it's just so varied and I think every horror film needs to be watched with an open mind I think you know marketing goes a long way but For me, the more that I've always kind of drawn back into the horror community, in the horror genre, and which is why, you know, early days, going back to what I mentioned earlier, I really wanted to be a film journalist. But then the more I looked into it, the more I thought, well, this is a varied world. And actually, you know, I'm never going to go and watch and appreciate a rom com because there's very few of those that I do like. But at the same time, the genres are so there's so many films for me genre that actually to set up a website to take up my my time respectfully and usefully rather than going to watch all of the the mainstream films actually focus on the genre and you can learn a lot from some of the smaller independent films which as you know of late i've seen enough that can rival the big cinema releases that have come out this year it's such a fantastic world to be in and I, yeah i Before 2012, when I started the website, I didn't realise how vast it was, but I was like, let's give this a go, I set up a domain, set up the websites, just reviewed random films that I'd watched or either loved before, and then kind of took it from there. And then interestingly, started to interview directors and just directly DM people to see if they wanted to speak. And it was like, great. And it just opened up this massive world and kind of springboarded from there, really.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. In my last episode, I spoke with Ruth Paxton. She's awesome. What is your favorite subgenre in horror?
1: My favorite? That's a tough question because there are so many. I mean, I, lo- I love body horror. I love the visual aspects of body horror. But uh, you know, on the other hand, there's the psychological elements like where you see very little, but th- there's a balance between this because if the reveal is never quite revealed... Then you get a little bit of disappointment. Whereas sometimes a lot of the psychological ones, the reveal does turn out to be quite shocking, and that's that. It's the suspense of horror that really drives it for me. I think, you know, visually horror films can be fantastic, but it's mostly down to the visuals and special effects. Whereas a good storytelling for me is where it drives the most. And I think you're going back to what's my favourite subgenre. Yeah, it's those kind of psychological ghost stories. And you know, I think, you know, probably of recent years, you're talking like Starry Eyes and, you know, even going to Insidious, you know, that, that's a very slow burn. And not a lot really happens until it gets to that big kind of world, world building of James Wan. But you know, Dead, going back to James Wan as well, like Dead Silence, again, it's those of kind of psychological films and, you know, Silent Hill, there's a lot of there's a lot of this emotional baggage that comes with the characters that's that's unravelled in this supernatural world, that that really kind of that, that's where I, I you know my favorite
0: is on. Yeah, definitely. I think psychological is definitely my favorite as well. And I, I've actually, I've still never seen Silent Hill. It's on my list.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. It's never so, streaming. Yeah,
0: so, it's never streaming anywhere, so. This
1: is, this is why I have a huge DVD collection because it's mm-hmm. it's just evolved because it's like, every time I want to watch a film on Netflix or Amazon, it's like, oh, it's not there. And it's like, <laughs>
0: ah.
1: But then, ironically, when, I, when I've got a DVD that I've got, it's like, great, I'll go and watch it. It's like, oh, it's on Netflix. Oh, there you go. There <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh. so many films in rappers, It's It's amazing. <laughs>
0: So who are your favorite horror directors?
1: Well, that is a tough question. <laughs> there were so many. So, I mean, James Wan touched on, I think James Wan is a real driving force of horror. I think, you know, I respect him for his mainstream releases and going into the world of Fast and Furious and obviously the film he released, Aquaman. But actually, you know, I mean, Malignant just proved that he still got it. And actually I was so impressed that Warner Brothers budgeted that film because it was great to see James Wan back doing, you know, full hands on horror again. You know, like he <laughs> used to, be, that was just, you know, unbelievable. And uh, probably John Carpenter, David Cronenberg, can't wait to see Crimes of the Future. Uh, it looks, is it fantastic. not out there
0: yet? Is it not no, out?
1: No, not yet. I believe it's on streaming in America, but we're just waiting for a UK release, which I believe is a couple of weeks time.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, and that's, that's my mainstream, I mean, going back to kind of, you know, Eduardo Sanchez, who gave us the Blair Witch Project, I mean, coincidentally, was my first, that was literally my first interview I ever did, and it was like, wow, how do you, how do you even springboard off this, but it's, it's like, I mean, speaking to Eduardo, it, it just opens up a world of, I think once you understand the director's vision, sometimes you can kind of avoid some of the film's flaws, and Similarly, there was a film recently where I did the same and I interviewed the director. And I can't really It will come to me, but I watched the film and thought, hmm, it's okay. But then when I spoke to the director about it and actually it was like, it starts to unlock little keys and you start to think, ah, if you put it in that aspect and put some more context on it, it really kind of drives it. But yeah, I, mean, I suppose James Wang, John Carpenter, David Cronenberg, probably the, the mainstream ones, but you know, we've also got, I was talking, I mean, Ruth Paxton, the other day. I mean, she, she's a great new mind, but obviously, she's not a horror director. But you know, it's great to see people who aren't necessarily genre directors make genre films because I think that gives a new lens to it. Uh, and I mean, if you go back to I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy behind it follows. Again, he gave yeah. us it follows. Uh, David David Mitchell. It will come to me. But yeah, yeah it follows David,
0: David Robert Mitchell.
1: That's it, David Wright Mitchell. So, yeah, so I mean, that again, I mean, he, you know, he gave us It Follows, which was great, but has now gone since not to do genre films. So it's, it's great to see that. I mean, one director I, I never really liked was T-West. OK. And then I saw X.
0: <laughs> Did you like, like X? Wow,
1: I loved X. Yeah. It's one of my top three of the year so far. It's been a very interesting year to date. But yeah, X is certainly one of the, one of the best films of the year
0: yeah awesome i actually haven't seen crimes of the future yet it was in theaters here it's out already uh, it's out of theaters already oh, and it's, i don't think it's on streaming yet i think there's one theater in new york city where it's left but it's playing at like 10 15 at night so i'm not doing that i don't i don't like david cronenberg <laughs> that much i don't like body horror so i'm not going out at 10 15 at night <laughs> <laughs> So you're the editor of the UK horror site, Blood Guts UK Horror. You talked a little bit about how you started doing that. What has the evolution of that site been like?
1: Yeah, so as I say, I mean, it initially opened up just as me kind of spinning up and just going, you know, well, i was going to write reviews and put them on the internet. So got I main and just started from there and literally it was a case of just kind of building and building on it. And then over, I think 2012, not long after I first started it, I went to a horror film festival here called Fright Fest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there's some great films there, like Barbarian Sound Studio, Sinister, The Thompsons, and it was really American Mary. You know, there's some really big films that year. And that's where I started to you know kind of contact and get in touch with kind of a, a lot of the horror community, and just start speaking to to, to filmmakers, and then suddenly reaching out into interviews and promotion for films and working with studios for film promotion and ultimately it's just spiralled from there and I think yeah you know, the, the website's kind of grown and grown I think we've now reached 20,000 followers over on Twitter you know we've got quite a huge kind of following mm-hmm. that, that caused creates a lot of conversation and I think the reason part of the reason why I really wanted to set up the website because there are so many genre specific you know outlets out there and I think going back to your point earlier about you know how is it accessible how is the horror community so accessible to to kind of generally people who aren't really into to horror but it's always the genre people fall to and I felt that you know a lot of the our big kind of media outlets didn't really get horror films or if it was a low budget horror film didn't quite get what it was about and actually I'd watched many films that were low rated. I think actually this is really good and obviously the, the review that I've seen from a, a big media outlet doesn't quite grasp what that film is and it just wants a big shock square kind of film so I kind of that's where I found a niche and kind of carried on and went well you know what I'll give an honest opinion of, of the films that are probably not getting the airtime they should do so that's where I think there's a, there's a huge niche with Blood Cuts UK where we we kind of just Promote as much independent horror as we do with the big stream, you know, the big main cinema releases. And, you know, we've got, you know, great directors here, Liam Regan being one of them, you know, he creates some great video, nasty kind of esque Mm -hmm. films. But we were in a a world where the horror genre is just so big. And I think there's so little coverage of anything that doesn't hit cinema that there's a lot being lost and forgotten about. And you see it on a shelf in HMV. And you, you, you think, what's this film? I've never heard of it, which is where I hope that we can kind of fill that niche and, and look at those those smaller films.
0: That's awesome that you're giving more exposure to smaller horror films, because there are so many of them. What films have you reviewed lately?
1: So last film I reviewed was, uh, I'm going to completely contradict that statement now. So last film I reviewed was The Black Phone, which mm-hmm. is Scott Derrickson yeah. and C. Robert Cargill, which is genuinely, yeah, at the moment, that is number one. So there's a high bar now, but I love I love their collaboration with Sinister. So it's great to see that they've kept that momentum, even though going into Doctor Strange a few years ago and going to mainstream Marvel, you know they've they've still got that horror kind of niche into it. So bringing the Black Phone was great, but actually before that there was a film, was a film called Plagiarism which is from a Czech director. It's a gay film where a guy gets essentially raped and ultimately finds escapism in, in another world. And it's got elements of Cronenberg, but it's such an authentic experience to, to watch unfold. It, it, it's, it's, it, this is why I love independent horror films, because there are new voices coming through and, it's those, I mean, that, that film hasn't got any distribution at the moment in the UK. I'm not sure about the US either, but, you know, it's plagiarism, spelt with a D, I'm sure you can IMDB it, but ultimately it's a it's a great little independent film that's, it, it's just got so much originality about it. But again, that's come from a first time director, and I think Jem Dagger, who the director of that, he's early 20s, he's, he's a really young director. So this is Exactly what I love doing what I do, because uh, speaking to him and Austin Shun earlier this week, you know, it was a fantastic conversation to have to, to see these new voices coming through.
0: That's awesome. The Black Phone came out in the US this weekend. I haven't gone to see it yet. I'm going to see it next weekend because my friends weren't available this weekend, but I'm very excited. I've heard all great things. And Sinister is such a good movie. So... It
1: deserves deserve so much reward. Watching, I think, yeah. Whenever I stick it on, yeah, the the, the film, yeah, it's, it's not flawless, but just those those video segments <laughs> and, and that ending, is just, it, it's just pretty. You know, that, that just sends shivers at my spine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Are there any horror movies coming out of the UK that everyone in the US should be on the lookout for?
1: Wow, that is a good shout. So UK specific, I can't think right now, but even though I've probably got a huge list somewhere of things to look out for, there's a film come out by Alex Garland, who is directed at Sheena. Men? And- men, yes, men, yes, yes,
0: yeah, yeah that's that's, that's that. out here already. <laughs> so ah, there you go. <laughs> Did you like yeah. Men?
1: I liked it. I think it was a little heavy-handed, but I yeah, you know, I genuinely can't knock the the way that the film goes into a goes into its own and you know it really cements itself as a, as a horror film I don't think it's Garland's best but it's certainly an enjoyable film so least.
0: yeah I liked the home invasion aspect of it but then it yeah. just kind of went off the rails so. <laughs>
1: it, it, yeah the, it's very hard to, to describe without going into spoiler territory but it's yeah it's it's a crazy film and I think yeah. that's probably what people expect from Garland there is especially with the direction that Annihilation went and Machine, I mean, Annihilation was a fantastic film and in the last five minutes, I've watched the film, you know, I can count on two That's hands and I still don't quite get the ending of Annihilation, but <laughs> it's enjoy- It's enjoyable nonetheless.
0: Yeah, I've only seen Annihilation once, but I did like it. I don't remember the ending though, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> so you mentioned you have a partner. Does he or she like horror movies?
1: She does. So, yeah, I mean, our first date was The Descent. Oh, nice. So that's how I knew she was a keeper.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Uh, Yeah, so
1: our first date was The Descent back in 2005. I've got to get that right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, I mean, that was, you know, that was really, it's still one one of our favourite films. We both love that film still. And, again, talking to, I spoke to Neil Marshall a couple of years ago, and we were we talking about it and he said the film brought, I believe don't quote me on this, but he brought him and uh, his partner together as well. its, it's uh, it, it, I don't think it, that was the intention of The Descent to to bring relationships together, <laughs> but it's certainly a, an add-on.
0: <laughs> yeah. Awesome.
1: Yeah, we um, have a, I think we, this is exactly why I love The Hobbit because I think we have completely different views, is, I mean, my partner loves, absolutely loves, you know, those kind of ghost films, and but the arty ones, maybe not so. And I mean, I felt like Under the Skin, for example, we can't quite agree on. You know, that would be my third of my top three films, but that certainly that would probably be the bottom of the bottom three films. <laughs> so it's just it's a crazy dynamic that we both love horror films, but we, you know, we've got a, we've got a middle ground of supernatural horror. And then okay. they kind of digress from there. So it's,
0: it's
1: it's always an interesting conversation.
0: Awesome. So an article came out in 2020 that said that horror movie fans were handling lockdown better than non-horror movie fans. Why do you think that was the case?
1: I think it's because everybody wanted a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> the honest answer. People are like, we've been waiting. We've prepared for this for so long. And then it was like, oh. <laughs> but yeah I think part, part of it is that that mentality that especially with a lot of horror films is you know, if you're if you're hardcore into horror films then the end of the world you've seen it a million times already and actually you know people survive people fight it's the whole point of the zombie genre which you know you asked me earlier what's my favorite genre of film my least favorite genre of film is zombies not because I don't like zombies just because I find the story of the end of the world really repetitive and that this band of heroes who are going to stick together and there's going to be infighting and you know, soap opera you know relationships it's the same that like, we see echo and every now and then a film like the sadness comes along and you go yeah there's still life in this <laughs> but it, it's i think going back to, to the question i think the, the reality of it is i think there's so much to enjoy about horror, and I don't think it's intentional. But I think the psyche of people who do really enjoy horror films, there's always a little bit inside them that's like, you know, it's a challenge. It's you know, there's there's, there's something of the unknown, and I think that's the thing with horror films is it's always building to the unknown. And I think, you know, rarely, unless a trailer ruins it, the ending of a horror film is kind of always about suspense. And within this situation now, where you know the world the whole world has just been put on pause and told wait for the future with no date in sight and it's like what's this going to bring now and i don't think anybody ever planned i certainly have never planned in my lifetime that i would have lost two years of my life yeah, you know, not being able to go outdoors and it's like it's just it's crazy
0: yeah an interesting zombie movie if you don't really like zombies or you need like a different take on it it's called the cured it might still be on hulu have you seen it
1: yeah and- Stop, oh, I think I'm not, no, I haven't. I know what you're talking about, I haven't, no.
0: Yeah, it's about what happens to zombies after they've been cured. So it's it's really interesting. I've talked about it a couple of times on here to people. But speaking of pandemic movies and UK horror, have you seen Dashcam yet?
1: Yes. <laughs> so I was lucky enough to, that, that was, I'm glad you've mentioned that because this was my point of, when I spoke to Tom a few weeks back, it was after talking to Tom that I found other layers within that film because I was very, very regrettably late in watching Host. Mm. And me and my partner sat down and watched it one evening and we were like, wow, that's brilliant. Like the idea, (laughs) I mean, we we both have a fondness for found footage. And even though that genre, subgenre of horror kind of died a death because a lot of filmmakers thought, I haven't got a budget, let's make a found footage film. And it kind of, became an excuse to make low budget horror films with, with not a lot of context but you know the host came along and then just kind of re-injected that and it was like wow okay so when we watched Dashcam it was interesting because we didn't quite understand Annie's character and it got a little annoying for us watching it and then when I spoke to Tommy he was like well that's that's Annie that's not her character that's Annie in real life that's she runs that that show that she runs in the car and the, you know you talk about it and watched it again since and it's like well, I will kind of get behind all of this now. It makes more sense in context, and you know, I mean, the the last half an hour of that film is just a roller coaster.
0: Yeah. yeah, it was it was a crazy movie. I had been warned, but when I watched it, I was still like, oh my
1: god. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you when you watch Host, do not expect anything that comes from Dashcam. I expected yeah. maybe similar. Ethos of that that suspense and that kind of element. Something, of but it's like. No. And again when I spoke to Tom Savage, yeah, he, he was very keen to make the anti host. Yeah, you know, it was the same kind of similar format with the found footage, but yeah, let's make something completely different to what host was and not not repeat those those scares that came and it succeeds really well with that.
0: Wait, you mean Rob Savage?
1: Oh sorry, my bad. Yes. My bad. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yes.
0: No worries. I'm I'm still trying to get I'm still trying to get an interview with him. So, fingers crossed. How do you decide what horror movie you want to watch when you're just hanging out looking for something to watch?
1: So, yeah, as I said, I mean, Evil Dead will always be you know, on the shelf, ready, ready, waiting to be pulled down. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you know, the, the, there were so many films that, it, it, as I mentioned earlier, there's so much about this genre of horror where it all depends on the mood. And I think there were very few films where I'll go, I want to watch a horror film. Well, no, I want to, want, to, want to watch a specific type of horror film. So you know, if, it's, if it's just a quick, sharp, put something out in the background that I've seen a million times before, but still want to enjoy that, then yeah, I'll go and watch Evil Dead. But you know, for, you know, Insidious is another great film that has you know, it, got so much replay value. And I think the world building in that, and I think yeah, that, that's part of the escapism of horror. And I think anything that can do that, Silent Hill, again, you know, if it's ever on TV or I'm flicking around and it comes on, it's like I'll end up glued to the screen watching it because <laughs> it's it's just the original film is it's just so great. It's just that world building escapism. I mean, I could literally spend hours, whichever mood I'm in, going, I'll watch that, I'll watch that. And then I'll end up not not selecting a film, I'll just end up spending all night watching three or four films.
0: <laughs> Are there any horror movies that you won't watch at all or that you won't watch ever again?
1: So I refuse to watch a Serbian film. Okay. Uh, I'm sure you know why.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that's one film I absolutely refuse to watch. There's one film successfully, and I say that very yeah you know, absolutely, you know, I will it's done its job and I will never watch it again. And that is Eden Lake.
0: I've never even heard of it.
1: It's a, it's a British film from James Watkins, who also directed. Uh, don't quote me on this. I believe it was The Woman in Black, but don't quote me on that. He did another successful horror film soon after, but Eden Lake is it's mu- as much as a as a home invasion thriller as it is set in some backwards. and ultimately, as a result of that, one of Michael Fassbender's first films. Michael Fassbender and his partner, I can't recall who it was in this, but it's basically they're on the brink of getting engaged and they're basically terrorized by children Mm. backwards and it's just absolutely terrifying but it's so it's so grounded in British culture that it could happen tomorrow and you watch that film and you're like yeah I probably know somebody like you it's like Mm -hmm. Just, just just really but that's the one end of the spectrum I won't watch it because it purely terrifies me and it I've never come out of a screening so shaky and angry as I have done watching Eden. Like. But going back to the f- films I won't watch again, I mean, there were films I won't watch again because they're quite terrible, like Human Centipede 3. I mean, <laughs> I am a an advocate for Human Centipede 2. I, like, oh, I think one was a good idea, very poorly executed because it was never as controversial as it should have been. And I like how Tom Six made The Human Centipede 2, the film, and as controversial as the film is, the one that it should have been. I mean, it's got a lot of really disturbing scenes and I probably won't aim to watch it again anytime soon, but it's it's, it's a horror film and I think it's very well executed in that and it's, it really crosses some lines. But then The Human Centipede 3, it just goes off the rail and just kind of, I think this is where you know, Tom Six as a director kind of, perhaps needs to be reined in a little bit to say, you know, you don't have free reign to put whatever you want on film. And actually, you know, sometimes you need to, to kind of draw it back a bit and of just goes off the rails. So there are, there are many films like that where, they, 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 you know, the sequel-wise, they either kill the franchise or don't quite encapsulate some expectations that you have. And, and ultimately, as a result, you feel disappointing that I won't watch again. But yeah, I would advocate anybody to watch Eden Lake once and once only
0: okay all right i just looked it up and it's streaming on tubi plex voodoo pluto so and you can also rent it on amazon so that is great yeah <laughs> have you ever had any noteworthy experiences seeing Ooh. a horror movie in theaters
1: so not specifically i wouldn't say i would have actually in a theater i mean i have you know i mean i've seen events at cinemas but not not specifically i mean most films are great because I know what I miss most about cinema is going on a Friday night and seeing it packed full of every age group that you go to and I think post pandemic we've lost that but I absolutely miss going to a cinema and having an event film come out and just everybody just kind of jumping at the right moments and of just going from there i mean there's it, some really great films over the years that have, that have just had that i mean hills of boys was one the remake from alexandra rj texas chainsaw massacre remakes that have come since you know some of those big horror films that aren't necessarily great horror films but they're entertaining i miss that in a cinema because that's this going back to kind of what makes people enjoy horror films well it's that initial shock scare, get but being able to leave the cinema after and talk about it and then of wait for the next one to come along but it gives you that cheap thrill of kind of sitting there and doing it and while we now live in a world where you know a lot of kind of directors and auteurs kind of use the word elevated horror to create films that have more deeper meaning i think the idea of cheap scares will always have its value on people who don't like horror films because of that factor that it gives you that cheap that quick thrill And, you know, if it's done right, we'll we'll have elastic effects. Films like, you know, Foreign Destination, I remember those, you know, packed cinemas with those, it's it's those films that are just so entertaining to watch that you probably don't need to talk about too much later, but it's like, it's just entertaining at that time.
0: Yeah, definitely. (laughs) What has been your favourite horror movie that you've watched so far in 2022?
1: Wow. so I'll give you three. So. One is X, which we talked about earlier, so T-West X. I love the way that's filmed. I love the the, the 70s grittiness of it and you know, the elements of it. I kind of went into that expecting a 2022 remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but it goes into so much more than that. And actually, as a result of it, you know, it is its own film, and I'm glad it did. Become that rather than having just the references to the, you know, the, the golden days of seventies horror where you know, you kind of got those those nasty scenes, but ultimately and the, that suspense of those backwards kind of families, whereas actually this had so much more depth to it, and I think T West managed to carve, and yeah, the films had so much success this year, and I think it really deserves to put T West back on the map. The other one was ironically a Disney Plus film that was released called Fresh. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm with Sebastian Stan and Daisy Edgar Jones and that was just so entertaining it was just great to see Sebastian Stan in such a very dark role I kind of went into that again as a defied expectation Like "Mm, it's on Disney Plus and it was obviously I think it was a Fox Search like film but obviously because of the uh, the Disney buying out of Fox it just became a Disney film but ultimately (laughs) because you've got a star actor like Sebastian Stan I was just kind of like this it it might be nice to watch but it's not going to go that far but it it really does cross some boundaries that I was not expecting (laughs) and it's a lasting effect because of that and again third one going back I think that the black phone is really worthwhile watching we're in June now so we're only halfway through the year yeah the three solid contenders film of the year already
0: nice yeah fresh is on Hulu here so it was not but I find it very funny that it's on Disney plus in other countries so
1: (laughs) It's great. Yeah, we also have Prey, which is the new Predator film. That's also coming on Disney Plus. So it's like, but what are you, are you are you actually saying that Predator is a Disney princess now?
0: <laughs> Maybe.
1: <laughs> I can't wait for the next Alien film where Weaver comes on singing to the Alien Queen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, what horror movie are you most looking forward to seeing in the rest of twenty twenty two?
1: Absolutely looking forward to Crimes of the Future. I was a big fan of Cronenberg. Prey has got a lot of interest about it, although I've not seen a good sequel to Predator. Predator itself is a great film, but I think everything mediocre at best. They won't talk about the Alien versus Predator films, but Prey certainly has enticed a bit more interest into that. And, I mean, generally, across the board, it's, it's all those secret films that I don't wouldn't get to see at a cinema, all those independent films that really kind of Leave more lasting effects. And I absolutely love world cinema, but we don't get a lot of pre release coverage, certainly not here anyway. So these films kind of land on Shudder or Amazon. Yeah. And we just watch them and you're like, wow. Okay. So again, The Sadness was another one. I know it had festival releases last year, but it just landed on Shudder and it was like, wow. And there's been quite a few Shudder releases this year that, you know, really put it above and beyond. Yeah, as the best horror streaming service that I've come across. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all those all those secret films that I don't know yet, but hopefully, you know, there'll, there'll be a lot more to come.
0: Yeah. Are there any horror movies that you love that people generally don't like?
1: So I have a big contention with, with people who absolutely love Evil Dead 2. So this is the opposite of the opposite of the, the question that you asked. But the and I've always stayed in defense that Evil Dead One is the horror film, Evil Dead Two is a comedy remake of that and therefore devalues a lot of it. So I always have a lot of arguments that Evil Dead One is better than Evil Dead Two. So that that's a very interesting one. But I think going on to films that a lot of people hate and I actually really enjoy. Now I, I probably wouldn't go as far as saying love, but Going back to what I mentioned earlier about understanding the context of films and, and viewing films as one and their own. I think recently the Texas Chainsaw Massacre film that came through on Netflix, really disappointed because it, it missed a lot of marks in being a true sequel to the original film. I think bringing back some of the original cast, it was interesting, but just wasted. But actually, as a standalone slasher film, it's brilliant. It's it's got all the blood and guts that you'd, you'd want to expect from it. And actually, that's missed because, again, it's it's one of those films that kind of had so much potential to be something else. But watching it in context of its own individual film and not as a Texas Chainsaw Massacre film, really does kind of drive its way. Kind of, it, it gives it a new sense of of, of home. Really, I think again that that goes back with the, the Halloween Ends film is is quite similarly that film was not a great sequel to the halloween films and i still stand by that because you've complete you've created a more faithful sequel to the rob zombie halloween films because of how violent and how gory it is but then if you see it as a character evolution from the Rob zombie films it's actually probably a much better film and it is violent it is you know there are some interesting political points made through the movie and as its own. It's great. I think when I first watched it, I came out and I was very, very disappointed. And seeing some of the social media responses, that was a general consensus. But watching it again, uh, I think I went back and watched it a couple of days later, just to kind of get a fresh head on it. I actually really enjoyed it and much more. It was, it was a good slasher film, but certainly not a faithful sequel to the 78 classic.
0: Were you talking about Halloween 2018 or Halloween Kills?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. So you say yeah, So if yeah, so I was talking to about Halloween Ends, but it's interesting that Halloween 2018 does it. I think I feel that that is more of a sequel to the. I think they did a really successful job with that. But then the evolution of this character between the 78 film, the 2018 film, and now Halloween Ends just feels like so worlds apart. And I, I absolutely loved the flashbacks in the new film. I thought they were really well executed. But then the Michael Myers character and the lack of Laurie Strode in this film kind of just took away all of this stuff that had been built towards. it will be interesting how it ironically ends.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm going to go see Halloween ends, but I'm going to have very low expectations.
1: (laughs) Absolutely.
0: (laughs) If you could remake one horror movie, which one would it be?
1: Oh, that is interesting. See, I generally have mixed feelings about remakes in general. And a lot of the old films, I mean, if I was going to remake one, it would probably be some, I can't think of any specific ones, but the there's a lot, there's a lot of films in the 70s that have got a lot of cult say, status. Don't Look in the Basement, Chopping Mall is very interesting. But these films have got such a big cult status in the horror community. But it's like, I've watched them recently and it's like these films are terrible like they're not that great and I think Chopping Mall probably would be one because I think that's got so much potential you know it's a shopping mall with killer robots like what's not yeah, a horror film about that but the original film I think probably restricted by the, the 70s kind of way of creating robots and how they visually look but it just never quite hit a nerve with me so I think probably shopping Mall would be one that I'd like to remake
0: Awesome. Speaking of movies that are kind of like that, I saw Slumber Party Masquerade* 2 in theaters, in a theater last Monday. So that was an interesting experience.
1: See, I, I, I absolutely find it's, oh, So I, I own two and three, which we can get on, on Blu-ray over in the UK. We can't get one.
0: That's we so can't weird. buy it. It's,
1: it's physically can't buy it. I don't want to watch two and three until I've watched one, but I know there's very little in terms of context. And I've always been, you know, ready to put it off the shelf. But we, we can watch the remake but we can't watch the original film and it's it's just strange because that's a film that's got such a cult status yeah but no one's picked that up in the UK
0: (laughs) so my final question is if you had to spend quarantine with one horror villain who would it be
1: that is interesting I think my first response would be I'd have to meet the person playing Ghostface (laughs) which one (laughs) is it (laughs) (laughs) yeah it'd certainly be interesting to spend the time with Stu (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah you'd be entertaining Um,
1: but yeah, if you're going to stick with one for the fight of your life, I think it'd be interesting to have a cup of tea and talk to Jigsaw and understand his values of life without those machines and mechanisms.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you?
1: Absolutely. So we're at www.bloodgutsuk.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at, at Bloodguts UK. And yeah, you can generally find us giving regular updates on new films mostly across the uk but we do get the pleasure of interviewing and talking to film directors across the pond and all over the world so yeah so stay in touch
0: awesome well thank you so much for being here
1: all right listen, thank you for having me
0: that's it for this week's episode of Who's There? I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Martin Wakefield, and thanks again to Martin for coming on. You can find links to his socials and Blood Guts UK Horror in the show notes. You can follow us on Twitter at Who's There Pod, or on Instagram at Who's There Podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, horror movie recommendations, or you'd like to be a guest, shoot us an email at who'stherepc@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Until next time, stay scary and get vaccinated.